Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hope, uh, hopefully, we'll have a little more luck today than uh, we did the last time I spoke. The last time I think I remember preaching, I was down in North Carolina, and uh, about the time they handed me the speaker, or the microphone, all the power in the place went out. And so, uh, and now, boy, we got inclement weather out there. I was a little nervous. I thought, uh-oh, we may be in for a round two. I don't know. But, but yeah, right. <laughs> well, when I was, uh, I kind of knew what we were going to, we had talked about what we were going to be discussing in the series that we're doing. And I knew story because I've been raised in church and you know going through Sunday school and everything you hear all these stories so generally the way it works for me is I start kind of several weeks before I have to teach I kind of start going over the story in my mind and thinking about everything I've heard about it and kind of and then when it comes time I actually sit down study put everything together and usually have some questions that I've worked over in my mind. And we were talking today about the story about Jacob and how he wrestled with an angel. And growing up, I thought, you know, I've heard that story all the time, didn't think anything about it, but when I was preparing for this message, I started thinking about it a little bit more in depth. And as I did, some questions started coming into mind and I realized that's not quite as common of story as I thought. And I realized, you know, I am 36 years old and I have never seen an angel before. Not only that, but if I did see an angel, I don't think my first response would be, I think I could take him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm a little bit crazy, but I'm not that, I'm not that crazy. And then I thought, you know, there's a, there's a lot of other stories in the Bible where angels came to visit people, right? And they, there's, there's a story of Peter was in jail and an angel came and delivered him. Angel came to Mary, told her she was going to have a child. And not once in any of those encounters did the angel say, I've got a word for you. And if you can beat me in a fight, then I'll give it to you. This is the only story that I could think of before where an angel came and wrestled with him. And not only that, but it seems an odd time to wrestle because what Jacob was going through at this time in his life, he, was, uh, he had left his family, uh, he was out on his own, he was completely isolated. He was at a time where he was getting ready to go face his brother that wanted to kill him. He was stressed, he had anxiety. You would think that would be a great time for an angel to show up and give him a word of encouragement, give him some strength or something, but no. The angel shows up and decides to wrestle with Jacob. So I wanted to look at this story a little bit more in depth. But before we get into the actual story of where he wrestles with an angel, you have to understand a little bit about Jacob's background. Jacob was, did not have a good reputation. 
He was uh, a liar. He was a con artist. See, he had uh, stolen his brother's birthright. His brother had come in from the field, and he, he was making some food, and his brother says, I'm about to die. Give me some of that food, and he says, I'll sell it to you in exchange for your birthright. So Esau sold his birthright. Then later, their father, uh, Isaac, was getting ready to die, and Jacob disguises himself as his brother, puts hair on his arms to make him look hairy, and goes in and steals his blessing from Esau. So this doesn't seem like the type of person that God would want to have anything to do with. He was, he was kind of a con artist, if you will. But God saw something different in Jacob. And one night, everything changed for Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 30, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So Jacob has a wrestling match that lasts all night long. That's a pretty intense match. This wasn't just a few rounds. I'm sure that during this fight, Jacob got tired. He probably got sore. And I, I was trying to think, is, is there, you know, as I read stories like this, I try to think, is there any, anything I can relate that to? Have I ever had any kind of an experience like that that I may be able to, to tell about? And I could not think of any time that I have wrestled, per se, to that level of intensity. The only thing I was able to think about was several years ago, I was uh, at a youth event and my nephew was there. And my nephew is considerably smaller than I am. As a matter of fact, most people are considerably smaller than I am. And they had at this youth event a uh, boxing ring, one of those inflatable boxing rings set up. And they had these giant inflatable boxing gloves. And all the other young people, they'd go into the ring and they'd go to pick up these gloves and they were so big, they couldn't swing them. So they were just kind of pushing each other with these gloves. And my nephew decided he wanted to get in the ring with me. So I was standing in the corner and I went to pick up the gloves and as big as I am, I thought I can actually swing these and I could, I could really hit somebody with these. So my nephew is in the center of the ring and he picks up his gloves and you ready? And he says, yes. And 
So I took a giant step, and I was in the center of the ring, and I just hit him as hard as I could. And, uh, of course, when a man my size is in an inflatable ring, just the step enough is, you know, the air all goes to the one side of the inflatable house. And I hit him so hard, he dropped his gloves. It knocked him back into the pole, the inflatable pole of the wrestling match, which bent over and knocked him clear out of the ring. And he had to get up and come running back around to the front of the ring and climb back into the ring. And I said, uh, you want to quit? And he says, no, no, let's do it again. So he puts his gloves on and he gets back in the ring. And I went over and I stood over him and knocked him down. And I just stood there and bounced him like a basketball in this inflatable ring. And I was just wailing on him because I'm a bully and I'm not going to fight somebody my own size because I know I will get whipped. So if I'm going to get in a fight with somebody, I'm going to fight somebody smaller than me. And I was unquestionably winning this fight. But after a little while of just hitting him, all of a sudden I was like, I can't hardly catch my breath. And I, I kind of backed off and I was huffing and puffing. I said, you had enough yet? He says, nope. He gets up and he's just running all around the ring. And I'm like, I have been wailing on you and you have just got entirely too much energy. And by the time we were done, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. And he just bounces out of the ring and then he says, hey, they've got an inflatable obstacle course over here. You want to run the obstacle course? And I said, no, I'm not running an obstacle course. I'm going to sit here and catch my breath for a little while. Now, that was just a fun match. We were among relatives. We weren't hurting anybody. We weren't trying to pin anybody down. And it only lasted a few seconds or a few minutes, maybe. I can't imagine getting in a ring with an adult and having to go all night long. I would be completely exhausted. You would be sore. You would be just ready to throw in the towel at that point. And the interesting thing about this story is it doesn't tell us why they were wrestling. Like, did the man come to Jacob and start talking smack? What actually, what actually started this fight? It doesn't say. And it's really strange when you consider that Jacob doesn't really come across as being a fighter. He comes across as a pretty type of, pretty passive individual. You would think Jacob would be the kind of person that would try to run away from a fight rather than engage. As a matter of fact, he did. You know, when he stole his brother's blessing, they found out his brother was going to kill him. So he takes off and leaves. And then he had a fight with uh, his father-in-law. They had a falling out. And so he decides he's going to leave again. It seems like every time there was conflict in his life, he would turn around and, and run. And I thought, maybe he, uh, maybe he got that from his, his father. Because his father was, was kind of passive as well. The, the story that I came to mind of his father was in Genesis chapter 26, in the 16th chapter. It says, And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And then in verse, going down a little bit, a little farther in that same chapter, verse 19 through 22, it says, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley, 
and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek, because they strove with him. And he digged another well, and they strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. For that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth, for he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So even Jacob's father, in this instance, he comes across as being, being kind of passive, if you will. I found it interesting that the king of a nation comes to, uh, to Isaac and says, you're going to have to leave because you're mightier than we are. You've got to be pretty, pretty strong for a king of a nation to come to you and say, we're, we're a little worried about how strong you're becoming. But when he left, these just common herdsmen came and started causing trouble. And they said, no, this is our wells after he had dug them. Now, you would think somebody that a king was afraid of would stand up to some herdsmen and say, who do you think you are? Do you know how strong I am? If I want this well, I will take the well. But he didn't do that. Instead, he packed up and, and moved on. And then he dug another well, and they came again and, and started fighting again. And you would think he would say, all right, I gave up once, but this time I'm going to stand my ground. But no, this once again, he packed up everything, moved on again, and dug another well. Maybe this is where Jacob got that personality trait that kind of made him passive, kind of made him want to try to avoid a fight. Because we know that after he stole the blessing from Esau by disguising himself as his brother, Esau wanted to kill him. And rather than stay and defend himself or make peace with his brother or apologize, Jacob decided to run away. He would go on to build a family of his own and God would bless him. Then he started having trouble with his father-in-law and once again, he decided to pull up stakes and run away. He didn't even tell his father-in-law that he was going to be leaving. This doesn't sound like a man that would wrestle all night long with an angel. Jacob sounds like the type of man that he would maybe start to wrestle and then he would decide, well, this is, this is just going on too long. I'm starting to get a little sore. I'm just going to throw in the towel, call it quits. I'll just, whatever they were fighting about, I'll just let this angel win and I'll just, I'll just move on. But something was different about this wrestling match. See, God had told Jacob to go back home where his brother was waiting for him. Jacob was about to face a difficult situation. Jacob had already sent his family and his servants away because he had heard that Esau was coming after him. Now Jacob was alone. He was afraid and he was facing an uncomfortable situation. And then God sends an angel to him. Not with strength, not with encouragement, but he sends an angel to wrestle with him. And when the wrestling match started off, because that was kind of my question, you know, why would you wrestle with an angel? 
But the verse says that he wrestled with a man and came to him. So obviously he didn't think at first that this was an angel. We don't know what was going through his mind, but we do know that he thought it was just a man and he did not realize that he was in a wrestling match with God. And I think the reason for this was God was testing Jacob. I think he wanted to know, are you going to hold on to the promises that I have given you? Or is your passive nature going to get the better of you? Are you willing to fight and hold on to what I've given you? Or are you going to throw in the towel and call it quits when going gets tough? The angel gave Jacob a chance to quit. He said, let me go. It's almost day. And Jacob could have said, yeah, you're, you're right. We've been fighting a long time. We'll just, we'll call it a tie. We'll just both call it quits and go our separate ways. But instead, Jacob refused to let the angel go. He realized that this was a life-changing moment for him. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. In spite of his weariness that was telling him to give in, in spite of his pain, Jacob knew that if he let go, he would not get everything that he needed from that encounter with God. It's interesting that Jacob had already received a touch from God. The angel touched his thigh and caused it to go out of joint. Jacob could have told everybody he'd have wrestled an angel and he could have showed him his limp. It would have been a sign, it would have been proof that God had touched him. But that wasn't enough for Jacob. Jacob knew that without the blessing of God, he would not be whole. He would go through life being identified by the touch and not the blessing. Jacob knew that if he gave up without the blessing, that entire wrestling match would have been in vain. I think it's interesting that the Bible says he wrestled with an angel. It doesn't say that he fought with him. See, there's a difference in fighting styles. If you're, if you're boxing, you know, you kind of try to keep your distance. You watch them, they kind of dance around the ring and try to stay away from each other. and Then they get a few jabs in here and there. But when you're wrestling, you're actually locked in with somebody. It's a lot more closer contact. And you both have a hold on each other. And we've been talking about Jacob holding on to God. But the truth is, God was also holding on to him. That angel could have ended the wrestling match any time that they wanted to. In fact, I, I thought of the story when I was thinking about others that had had an encounter with angels. The story came to mind in the Old Testament. There's a story about one angel that killed 185,000 Assyrians. I don't think that an angel would have had any trouble with one man if he really wanted to end the fight. But he wanted to hold on as long as Jacob was willing to hold on with him. We can't forget that if we were struggling with things in our life and it feels like maybe we're just holding on for dear life, that God is also holding on to us. 
He wants to see if we're willing to hold on to his promises, even through the struggles of life. And because Jacob was willing to hold on, he got a blessing. I find it interesting that he wasn't more specific in what he asked for when he asked for a blessing. See, a, a blessing could be a lot of different things. He could have said, I want you to bless me with good health. I want you to bless me with a long life. I want you to bless me with lots of money. I want more cattle. I want my own land. He could have said lots of things. He could have said, I want to be blessed. I want to have my own nation. I want to be a king. But he didn't say any of those things. There's a lot of different ways God could have blessed him. But when he asked for the blessing, he left it open for God to bless him because he knew that God knew what he needed. When Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me, the angel looks at him and says, what is your name? Now, this seems like an odd time to ask this question. I mean, if you had been wrestling with somebody all night long, you think you would have known their name before the fight started. I mean, can you imagine if, you, if he would have said, what's your name? And Jacob would have said, my name is Jacob. And the angel would have said, Jacob, oh, I thought you were Joseph. I've been wrestling with the wrong person all night long. But he didn't ask the question because he didn't know who Jacob was. See, he was asking because he was forcing Jacob to acknowledge his past. See, Jacob's name means supplanter or deceiver. Jacob's name had defined him up until that point. To supplant means to take the place of or to re replace. Jacob had grabbed Esau's heel at birth, trying to replace him as the firstborn. He had supplanted Esau when he had stolen the birthright from him and deceived his father when he impersonated Esau to steal his blessing. Jacob didn't have a name that he could be proud of. He had a lot of black marks on his name. He had built a, re a bad reputation. When he told the angel, my name is Jacob, he was owning up to his past actions. He had to be open and honest with God about who he was. And when he was open and honest with God, the angel didn't say, oh, well, I can't bless you. You're a deceiver. You're a liar. No, the angel looked at him and said, here's your blessing. From now on, you are not Jacob, but your name is Israel. He was basically saying, from now on, you aren't going to be defined by your past because you have power with God and men and you have prevailed. Can you imagine what God looked at Jacob, a man who had been a deceiver and a liar? Not, it wasn't just that he made a mistake once and messed up one time. He had made a habit of it. He was an older man at this point in time. And God still looked at him and saw his possibilities instead of looking at his past. God honored Jacob's willingness to persevere 
in the struggle and hold on to God. Can you imagine what would have happened to Jacob if he had not persevered when he got tired? When his strength was failing him, what if he had only been half-hearted during the struggle and said, this isn't worth all the fighting. I'm just going to throw in the towel and walk away. He may have walked off and we would have never heard of him. He may have just been a brief line in the Bible where it mentions his name in a genealogy list somewhere. Jacob's limp became a mark that told his story. It was a sign that he had been through something, but he didn't let go. He held on. Many times we're ashamed of our limps or we're ashamed of our scars. But there are many here today that could testify of the goodness of God and the blessings of God. They could tell you that they've been through some struggles and some temptations, but they held on. There are also many other examples that we could look at in the Bible. Paul had a thorn. Hosea had a broken heart. And Jacob had a limp. But they all had a testimony. They would all tell you, just hold on. As I was studying for this lesson, the song came to mind that says, I almost let go. I think uh, Kirk Carr was the one that sang it. It says, I felt like I just couldn't take life anymore. My problems had me bound. Depression weighed me down. But God held me close so I wouldn't let go. The second verse of that song says, I almost gave up. I was right at the edge of a breakthrough, but I couldn't see it. Maybe you're like Jacob. Maybe you feel like you're in a stressful situation. Maybe you feel like you've been struggling and there's some things that you've been wrestling with. I want to tell you, just hold on. Like the song says, you might be right on the edge of a breakthrough. The devil had nothing more, would love nothing more than to get you to throw in the towel now and call it quits. He wants you to give up before the breakthrough comes. He wants you to give up before you get your blessing. The thing I like about the story of Jacob is that Jacob was in a mess when the angel came to him. He was about to go back and face a brother that wanted to kill him, and that was entirely Jacob's fault. He got himself into that mess. But God didn't say, well, you got yourself into this mess. You can get yourself out of this mess. When Jacob went back to try to make things right with God or with his brother, that's when the angel showed up with a blessing that changed his life. You may be thinking to yourself, well, I got myself into this mess. God won't come to help me but I'll have to try to work things out on my own. But no, the best thing you can do is to turn it over to God and just hold on to his promises. I have a book at home I love. It's one of my, one of my favorite books. It's called Praying the Names of God. That book goes through a list of the different names of God in the Bible, and it's basically a list of the promises of God. For instance, it talks about God as El Roi, the God that sees me. And when you feel alone, like everyone has forgotten about you, you can hold on to the promise that God sees you. No matter what are your circumstances, God knows where you are. 
It talks about God being Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. When you're in a situation and you have needs and you don't know how God is going to answer those needs, you can remind yourself of his promise that he is your provider. He talks about Jehovah Rophi, the Lord that heals. If you're feeling sick in your body, you can go to the scripture and find the promises where God has said he would be your healer. It talks about Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. When you're in a situation and you're surrounded by conflict or you're stressed out because of situations in your life, you can look up the scriptures where God said he would be your peace. The scripture is full of all sorts of different promises that God has given to us. And sometimes when we're in the middle of a stressful circumstance, it's easy to lose sight of those promises. But if we hold on to the promises of God and refuse to let go, there's a God has a blessing in store for us. It's uh, the story, pastor mentioned it on Sunday, uh, the illustration that they had given us was about a man by the name of Henry Dempsey. And Henry Dempsey was a pilot of a smaller airplane that had taken off and when they got up in the sky, they heard this door was rattling and he went back to investigate, left his co-pilot to fly the plane. And when he got back there, they hit turbulence and he kind of fell and fell against the door and the door ended up coming open and he fell out of the airplane. And when he did, he reached up and grabbed on to the ladder. And his co-pilot was in the, the front and saw the light come on that there was a door ajar in the back of the plane. And uh, he had to make an emergency landing. But for, and it said it was over 10 minutes while the co-pilot made an alert, emergency landing, Henry had to hold on to that ladder. And when the plane came down for a landing, Henry's head was only inches from hitting the runway. And they said airport workers had to actually pry Henry's hands off of the ladder because he was holding on so tightly. See, Henry knew that if he let go of that ladder, he would surely die. Some things in life are just worth holding on to. Sometimes when someone is holding on to something, that others are trying to get them to let go of. You may hear, you may hear the expression, I think the, the uh, NRA kind of made it popular. And they, they you still say, you can have it when you pry it from my cold dead hands. In other words, they're not going to give that up for anything. Anything you may have to offer them, no matter what it is, they're holding on to that. And we have to have that kind of conviction when we're holding on to the promises of God. And no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what situations you may find yourself in, you can look through the word of God and you can find an answer in here for anything that you may be going through. And when you find that, you can't say, well, that was, that was good for the people many years ago, but that's, that's not for, for me. No, you have to hold on to the promises that are in this book. They are for you. And if you hold on to those, God has a blessing in store for you. You may be right on the edge of a breakthrough if you just hold on just a little bit longer. Pastor. <laughs> great, great word, Brother Matthew. And I, ironically today, Sister, uh, 
Cheryl Wolchin and I were visiting a little bit about just her own miracle over the past few days with regard to getting sick and then getting so sick that she ended up in the hospital with like bronchitis or pneumonia and a UTI and several infections running a very high fever and just the process of all of that and how God miraculously brought her through that. And um, we were talking about the Holy Ghost and getting a touch versus getting the blessing. And I, I was listening and it came to me just in a flash, Brother Matthew, that when Jacob, of course, God had blessed Abraham directly God had blessed Isaac through digging the wells and all of that and of course Isaac had a supernatural salvation because but Isaac as far as I know didn't have a direct blessing from God and Jacob as you beautifully described cheated his way to getting a blessing from Isaac and now was a moment when Jacob could get a blessing from God, just like Abraham had gotten a blessing from God. And he refused to just settle for a touch. He wanted the blessing. And immediately I started running through my mind and I remembered this verse in Galatians, third chapter, 14th verse that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles who through Jesus Christ. What is the greatest blessing of Abraham? That we don't have to wrestle with an angel, but we might receive the promise of the Holy Ghost through faith, when you hold on, let go, whatever word, and immerse yourself in the presence of God, that's like if it takes you all night, I'm not getting up. You know, we've heard the stories. When you have that kind of determination, I'm not leaving the altar till I, I'm not, I, until I, Boom, people get the Holy Ghost just like that, flows through them just like that. But you got to have that kind of determination. I'm not, the, just like Jacob, I'll hang on. I'm I, not, a, not settling for a touch. I want the full thing. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Brother Jim's going to come lead us in a song. What a powerful word. Great word. And uh, we're so glad that all of you are here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.